0: Take me through just a brief, because I'm imagining mm. in your book, that's what you've talked about a lot, like in depth, mm-hmm. but take me through briefly through your PhD, um, mm. and you getting an opportunity, like take me through in terms of, uh to where you are right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Hmm.
1: So in summary, uh, I'll I'll give you a summary and then I can give you I like I like giving my story through through land land lessons or pieces of advice mm. looking back. Okay. But in summary, my PhD was at the University of Oxford mm. for 4 years from October 2015 and I defended my thesis in 2019 December mm. and officially was given was given the. Uh, I'm actually graduating next this month, but mm. like I was, I passed all the requirements on February of 2020,
0: mm.
1: and then I I wanted to, and then Corona happened. Mm. But I wanted, I really wanted to graduate in person, so mm. I, I, I I put myself on a waiting list. So I'm mm. actually graduating on May mm. May 20, May 21, 2020. Mm. But uh, that's so I, that's that's my PhD, and my PhD was investigating b- better cooling technologies for aircraft engines. And then after that, four years, I, I got a fellowship mm. to come here to the US to try and research something different. So that's the summary. But if I was to look back, and I think, like you mentioned, I actually mm. wrote almost all my all the stories that I remember in the mm. book. And the mm. book is the PhD journey: strategies mm. for enrolling, thriving, and excelling in a PhD program. If I was to if I was to summ- so the top three pieces of advice and especially for someone and mostly i'm kind of talking to myself actually in 2014 when i had gotten this the, sc- the road scholarship mm. and i was now thinking about actually so you get the road scholarship and then you 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 apply for admission mm. so when i look back to 2014 after getting the scholarship and i was planning or in the process of enrolling mm. and then all the way to process of surviving <laughs> and thriving So I survived my PhD in the first few years, and then I was thriving towards Mm. the end of it.
0: Mm.
1: And then um, I I think I, you know, now looking back, I think I excelled, uh, considering where I was coming from. So I can confidently say uh, in my own um, judgment, I did excel. So I give a lot of advice there and all the stories that I can think of. But if I was to summarize the top three, Mm. number one is inspiration is perishable. Mm. And I'll go into some details about that. And then number two is there is a companion. For for someone going into this research, there is a companion you need to know. The earlier, the better, and the companion is imposter syndrome. So that's number two lesson. Mm-hmm. If, I known, if I had known more about this this companion, I think it would have been better, uh, or at least I would have prepared to embrace and coexist with my companion throughout my PhD. Mm-hmm. Number three is our 30th 40th, 50th bad days are not promised, and I'm, I'm I'll just give you like a brief brief uh, reasons why uh, or, or or discussion on all, on all this. So the first one is inspiration is perishable, hmm. and it took me very long time to realize this. And the, the, the so the, this inspiration is perishable. It's a, it's a it's a conclusion name. So there is this book. It's called the book is rework. Rework R-E-W-O-R-K rework. Mm. And and the, the authors are giving us insightful suggestions on how we can improve the way we work, how to improve our productivity, etc. Mm. But the 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 conclusion of their book, it's it's I've, I've never forgotten to this day. I don't know. I read the book, I think, in 2018. And the conclusion of their book is inspiration is perishable. And I loved it. I loved it. So anyway. So they, they they suggest so while mm. they were writing inspiration is perishable. They mm. suggest that w- once you get inspiration to do something, and I know even you, you can tell Sarah, like when you got an inspiration to do a podcast, and I don't know for you if it was like just a automatic thing, like you got the inspiration and you did it, mm. or you sometimes you get the inspiration, and if you wait for too long, the inspiration goes. Because yes, so so the, the the reason I'm I'm gonna tie back to my PhD, mm. and there were so many days like I would get an inspiration to, to to design some kind of experiment or to research something. And then if you leave it for too long or if you don't commit yourself to doing. Stretching your Ph.D. or your research. And, and I, I think Sorry, also, you, even got to oh, you got lost for a while, Gladys. Right?
0: So you got lost for a while. So you're where are you talking about inspiration? So inspiration is perishable. So you have an idea to do an experiment, then from there you got lost. Oh, so if you
1: have an idea to, to do an experiment mm-hmm. or to write a research paper mm-hmm. or any idea, it could even be something outside your PhD. Once the inspiration comes, you have to use, you have to act immediately. If you wait one day, two days, one week, it will go. Mm-hmm. And also, and and, and I think, I think this is even outside our research lives, right? Like you get an inspiration to do something, mm. but you are like, let me wait. Let me just wait to to get everything 100%. By the time you get all the materials, the inspiration is gone. Mm. And that's how you lose on opportunities. And I wish I had learned, I, I wish I had known this way early in, in, in my life because I feel like I would have taken so many opportunities because I feel like I waited too long. And, and so some things I lost motivation and, and that's just how the dream went. And also, Mm. I I think connected to this inspiration is perishable, and it's really, this is really important to someone doing a long research. Mm. It could be master's, it could be a PhD, it could Mm. be anything else. Even when I was writing this book, I think writing the book, it took me like two years, uh, Mm. writing uh, bits by bits. Mm. So it's a long project. So anyone doing a long project, Mm. there is something about, so once you have the inspiration, there is also something that can kill the inspiration and if we wait if we so we we do tend so we we do tend to get stuck especially if the project is too too big mm. so you get stuck um trying to analyze trying to 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 overplan and then you are waiting to be 100% or even 110% uh, mm. bef- before you before ready start. before you you make the next step right mm. yeah and then uh, i remember there was there was this particular conference paper that i i spent sleepless nights so many of them trying to perfect it and and then I, I handed it to my advisor for, for, for him to check before I submitted. Mm. The paper came back and it had, every paragraph had like major corrections. Mm.
0: Red, red, you know? red. And
1: I, I was just looking back, red, red, red. And I was like, I wish I had just spent two days mm. and then get the correction, correct the thing and move on. Mm. And I think the lesson, the lesson that I learned, and I think it's really important for someone doing a, lo- a long research, is mm. to stop over analyzing and mm. then... um. Uh, James Clear this author of I, I, I'm sure you've heard about or you've, you've read Atomic Habits
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he 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 puts forward an idea of fail fast you try you fail you learn you try differently and you move on
0: mm.
1: and w- when I look back when I look back I think I wasted too much time of analyzing over preparing waiting to be under 10 percent before I made the move mm. so Inspiration is perishable, and, and if you're doing a long project like a PhD, like a long master's, anything else that is long, mm. fail fast. Just try,
0: mm.
1: fail, mm. learn, try mm. differently, and, mm. and let the ball keep rolling. That's number
0: one.
1: Okay. Uh, and I'm, I'm trying to summarize. So all these three topics are like top three ad- pieces of advice from my journey, mm. my PhD journey to where I am now. Mm. Number two is this companion called imposter syndrome. And I'm telling you, Sarah, I, I moved from, JQAT is ranked number, in 2015, I think it was ranked number 2,600 in the World University Rankings. Mm-hmm. I was moving from an undergrad, from JQUAT, and I was putting myself, I was, I was going to do a PhD at the University of Oxford, which I think was ranked number one at that time. Oh. To tell you I was scared is, I think that's an understatement, like I was beyond scared, right? And I think if I had, and for a very long time, especially the first few years, and I I, I chose the word survived. I survived in the first, uh, I, I I thriving was not in 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 the. I I didn't thrive. I was surviving, in the first few months in the first years of my PhD because the environment itself is so intimidating, and and then I was, and and then I was I was I I barely had any research skills, so I was learning so many things mm-hmm. afresh. I was starting from, I like to say I was starting from negative side of the scale. But anyway, one thing if if I had known and if someone had told me earlier, I think it would have helped me in dealing with imposter syndrome, I think, is that it it wasn't me. It wasn't necessarily me. It it wasn't necessarily because of my abilities that Mm -hmm. I, I felt insecure. It was mostly because of the process, of the process and the nature of learning, nature of growth. And I don't know if you've heard about Abraham Maslow, four stages of learning. It, this is something that I learned way later. Mm-hmm. And now when I'm taking on a project, the imposter syndrome no longer hinder me because I know it's not me. It's not my abilities. It's the process. So mm-hmm. this is the process, four stages of learning. The first stage in the four stages of learning mm-hmm. is unconscious incompetence. You know, when someone, sometimes when someone is debating a topic, they are not they they are not familiar with like for someone who is familiar in that topic you're like what is this person talking about Mm. they have no single idea so that's unconscious incompetence like you don't know that Mm. you don't know Mm. (laughs) that Mm. someone would say you are stupid Mm. and the the, the reason why someone would say you are stupid is because they know more than you know Mm. and i think this is where if i was to give an example this is where i was when i was starting my phd I did not know that I did not know. Like this, you're just you just blank. Uh, you are just young in the person And number two, mm. you start going to conscious incompetence, mm. and now this is where the imposter syndrome will come in because now you begin. You, yeah, you are now aware of what you don't know, and it is paralyzing because mm. you know you know there is so much to be learned, mm. and you and you realize you have you, you know one percent of it, and and this is where you you get a great deal of insecurities and self-doubt and, and imposter syndrome.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: this is where I feel like this is where I stayed for a, a period of time. I would say from first year, maybe to third year of my PhD or maybe to second year, end of second year of my PhD. And then there is the conscious competence. So now now that, now that you know that you don't know, you you make plans to learn, to read more, to experiment, to all those things. And then you learn. And then it gets to a point actually, the, the fourth stage now the first, fourth stage is is you are it's called unconscious competence. You you even forget that you know. Right? And that's why I feel like when you at the end of your masters or PhD, when you are when you are explaining your your, your project. You're using jargon, you're using, you, you think that everyone should know this thing. And mm. you are super surprised when someone tells you, please explain. And you're like, you guys don't know this thing. Mm. But for you, it's become unconscious. You you know, and you, you can forget that you know. Mm. But for someone else, people will lose you because they don't understand. So anyway, just to say, uh, don't let imposter syndrome will come. And I think research has been done and and imposter syndrome impacts more than 70% of the people, even Maya Angelou, like mm-hmm. the, the greatest uh, of, of, you know, the greatest writer, poet. And she talks about how imposter syndrome affected her. And every mm-hmm. time she released a book, she thought people will, maybe people will now realize that I don't know. Something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So our just advice there is, expect that imposter syndrome will come.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The, the longer the project, um, the more. And it's really, especially at the beginning stages of the learning process, Mm. but don't let it hinder you. Understand that imposter syndrome is as a result of learning, it's it's as a result of growth in the process, in the learning process, Mm. and keep pushing forward regardless of it. And there is this quote that I like quoting, and it says, everything you've ever wanted is sitting on the other side of fear. So if you let imposter syndrome hinder you, you will never get to those nice things on the other side of fear. Mm. Last one is your 30th, 40th, 50th, etc. cetera, birthdays are not promised. So something happened while I was doing my PhD that mm. changed my life. Mm. And the reason I've written those two books, the reason I'm now experimenting with business ideas the reason now I am doing all these things is because of what happened in 2017, July of
0: 2017.
1: What happened? What happened? I will get to it in yeah. a few. Mm-hmm. And actually, the last this book that I wrote, The PhD Journey, mm-hmm. it would not have happened if it wasn't for what happened in July of 2017. And I dedicated it to my brother, my late brother, Josh, because that's the reason. It's mourning that the death of my brother is what unlocked something in me. So I'll give you a story. So Josh is our was our firstborn mm-hmm. and we lost him in July of twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. It was a devastating loss. It was the first closest member of my immediate family to lose and, and the and the the loss was, was the loss was so so hard. Like it was so hard to to go through it. But after after going through mourning and making peace with uh, with his loss,
0: mm.
1: something in me, something in me changed. And then I just, just the real and raw realization mm. that we are mortal and we, we, we can die anytime. Mm. And, and, and mo- mostly because, so Josh, after he graduated from college, he did pharmacy. He's one of the brothers who influenced me uh Mm -hmm. STEM, yeah he did struggle to get a a good job but after after a few he after a few years he he did get one and he was able to provide well for his family and 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 his life and his family's life was going well and then during this time uh especially towards the end of his life he would be he would he would tell us about big dreams like bold dreams that he was planning he was planning to do he was planning to make all these investments um that he, he would um that would earn him a good uh, income and he would retire in his 40s and he would do all these all these all these all these i mean he was focused dedicated go getter and i knew he would all those things would come to pass right and mm. then July 2017, he um, he passed away, and I was I was at Oxford at that time, and my housemates broke the news, and I was devastated. I flew home a few days later, and uh, during his funeral, as he was being lowered down inch by inch to the grave, mm. I think uh, like all the dreams that he used to tell us, because they were really vivid. He had a, a, a he had a talent, a natural talent of telling stories. And I still remember some of the stories about his dreams that he told us. And I remember on that day, I just realized a painful realization that I was not only mourning the death of my brother, but Mm. also mourning astoundingly bold dreams that he, that never saw the light of day that people didn't get to experience that Mm. the world missed on. And then I think that raw and real realization that our 30th, our 40th, our 50th. But these are never guaranteed. They are mm-hmm. never promised. That scared me. And then I began, I began to appreciate life more. I made a conscious decision to start working on realizing my dreams one at a time, as early as possible, whenever possible. <laughs> and anyway, it's a reason why I became obsessed with trying to achieve those dreams. And mm-hmm. I don't think I've... I, I told you I had 45% percent in English in KCP I've mm-hmm. never considered myself an author but just thinking that I will die with my dreams with my stories, mm-hmm. it scares the hell out of me and it's changed my life as a result like his loss has changed my life as a result and I just want to say I know we were talking about research in this in this episode but mm-hmm. it's just a wisdom a, a small wisdom that wise thing that has come in my system and it's changed me it's just to remind um, anyone listening, that whatever you whatever you really want to achieve in your life, uh, the legacy you wanna leave, mm. it, it's not too late to start, or well, it's not too early actually. It's not too early to start. Uh, business, uh, anything, anything, writing books, any any passion of yours, as early as possible, whenever possible, just start doing it because the future is not promised. And that's 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 the end of uh three main uh themes I would say that that kind of summarize my PhD journey hmm. and uh where
0: I am. Oh, thanks for sharing that. This is a the Vulnerable Scientist podcast where we talk about everything that surrounds a scientist's life. It's not the science really. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> um I don't know. You've mentioned something to do with, uh, before we go to the highs and lows, uh, Mm -hmm. as much as you've already mentioned them, just uh, more that you haven't talked about. But before we go to that, can we talk about... Do you want to learn about the strategies for enrolling, thriving, and excelling in a Ph.D. program? Dr. Gladys Netich has written a book on the Ph.D. journey, with lessons from various Ph.D. students across the globe, and from her lessons as an ex-Oxford Ph.D. student. Dr. Gladys is now a postdoc researcher at MIT. For you to get a chance to get a free book, post your favorite podcast episode of the Vulnerable Scientist podcast on any social media account and tag the Vulnerable Scientist social media account with the hashtag the Vulnerable Scientist book giveaway. You can now pre-order the book on Amazon or as an ebook on Kindle, Kobo, Daliya, etc. You can get more information on this book on slash books